today, I want to show you that the, the highlight, it's great to talk about Mary, it's great to talk about Jesus, but we talk about them because of Jesus. We talk about, we talk, I should say about Joseph and Mary, we talk about them because of Jesus. I remember hearing a song years ago, I think it was around the time that we moved into the hay barn, two buildings ago. Well, if you count this building, three buildings ago. And it was, it so moved me. It was like the lyrics were so incredible because it put to words my thoughts and probably your thoughts. Because if somebody was to come to us and say, come up with a plan to save humanity, we probably wouldn't have drew up the plan that Jehovah God and the Trinity drew up. So the, the title of that song and the title on the front of your, of your worship guide here and the title of my message today is, What a Strange Way to Save the World. Do y'all remember that song? How many remembers that song, What a Strange Way to Save the World? If you don't remember it, guess what? You're about to hear it. So, what, so to introduce my message today, I'm going to show you a video. So let's watch this video, listen to the words And this is going to set up what I'm going to share with you today. Let's fire it. I'm sure it must have been a surprise where this road had taken Cause never in a million lives he have dreamed of Bethlehem And standing at the manger He saw with his own eyes The message from the angel come alive And Joseph said, why? Just a simple man of trade Wagon With all the rulers in the world Wagon Inside this stable filled with hay Wagon She's just an ordinary
Oh, give him praise. My father. Man, does that get y'all like it gets me? It is a strange way to save the world. You know, Joseph was a man of trade, as the song said, just an ordinary man of trade. Mary was just a typical, on the outside, teenage girl. The shepherds were just simple men who did simple work. The stable was a simple place to keep animals and to store hay. Even the animals were not majestic. They were not stallions. They were not adorned with the kingly adoration that animals would have been for a king. Donkeys and cows and and just sheep. Very ordinary. Everything about it is ordinary. Until the cry of a baby. And and everything in that stable, everything in our world changed. They stopped counting time. They started over counting time. That's why it's 2018. We're about to celebrate 2019. Because we count our years based on the estimated date of the birth of our Lord and Savior. It's a huge event. Oh, nothing, nothing compares to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because without that, we have nothing. But let's be real. We don't count the years based on the resurrection. We count the years based on the entrance of Jesus into this world. Are you with me, church? John 1.14 says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His what? Glory. Say it loud. His what? His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, this was not something that was thought up. This was not something that God was sitting up there on his throne looking and saying, man, this thing is not working out the way we planned for it to work out. Instead of them becoming more holy and righteous like us, they're going in an opposite direction. We need to do something. The Roman Empire is persecuting our people. We need to do something. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, one of us will go. Because we can't let this thing go any further. See, some people think that that's what happened. But let me tell you something. This event called Christmas was known by God before anything was ever even created. Are you with me, church? If you don't believe me, I guess you'll have to believe the Bible. Because the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3, the story of the Garden of Eden. And I'll back up and show you something even more powerful than this in just a moment. But even in the Garden of Eden, the Christmas story was being told in the Garden of Eden. What? What are you talking about? How is the Christmas? I don't hear nothing about wise men and shepherds and mangers. Listen, that's not what Christmas is about. The Christmas story is not about the shepherds. It's not about Joseph. It's not about Mary. It's not about a stable. It's not about Bethlehem. It's about Jesus. Can I get an amen? It's about Jesus. All these other great stories that we have are all to support, to remind us that it is about Jesus. Man was created. Adam and Eve were created. They were perfect. They were created in the image of God. Genesis 1.26, the Bible says, God made man and gave him dominion. Said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let us give them dominion. And man, they had it made. Every tree you can eat from except that tree. That tree is my tree. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm the only one that's got that knowledge. And the moment you eat from that tree, you will begin to, you will declare to me that you think you're equal with me. The day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. The glory, somebody say glory. glory. The glory will fall off of you that has shielded you and has clothed you and you will immediately know that you are naked. Do you know the story? Do you know the story, church? Did you have your, did you have your coffee this morning? Do you know the story of the Garden of Eden, church? Say amen. Well, we know they messed it up, didn't they? They listened to a snake. And they messed it up. And they did what God told them not to do. And God came in the garden. Watch this. 
desiring to walk with man in the cool of the day, which the Bible says he had done every day. And he asked them where they were, and they were hidden. They were hiding. Why are you hiding? Well, we're naked. Who told you you were naked? The blame game began. Man began to try to clothe themselves. Man immediately began to to do things in the natural to cover up something that is a spiritual problem. Am I preaching good this morning? And Jesus said, listen, even then, God knew. They think they can fix this, but it is impossible for them to fix this issue. They cannot fix themselves. He says, now listen, you ain't going to all grasp it yet, but I need everybody to come here. I need to talk to y'all. He called Adam. He called Eve. But he wasn't through then. He called the snake. Can I get an amen? He spoke to Adam and he told Adam, you'll work by the sweat of your brow. He told Eve, when you give birth to children, it will be painful. But then he looked at that snake. How many hates the devil? He looked at that snake and said, let me tell you, on your belly you will crawl all the days of your life. Dust shall be your food. How many of those we're made of dust? So therefore what he was declaring, really the deep meaning was not that he's going to go around and eat dust, but that the serpent, the devil, was, would, would continually try to eat upon our flesh. Are you hearing me? He said, you're going to do that and you're going to continue to do that, but I want you to know something. There is a seed coming of the woman. Genesis 3.15 says this, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Isn't it interesting that a nail and a spike was driven through the feet and the heels of Jesus? When the nails was driven through the feet of Jesus and the nails was driven through the wrists of Jesus and he died upon that cross, all of the demonic world thought we have finally stopped God. But what they didn't realize is that that was the fulfillment of that scripture. He says, when you strike him, when you strike his heel and bruise his heel, what you will do at that moment is crush your head. That is why Jesus said, it is finished. What was finished? The birth of Christ was first prophesied right there in the garden, but it was prophesied again and again and again throughout the Old Testament. Here's one, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself, somebody say himself, for the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's the sign that this is the one. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means what? God with us. Oh, don't that line up with John 1, 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Are y'all with me, church? But you got to understand why, why, why did God do it such a strange way? Oh, it's such a strange way to save the world. But it wasn't strange to God. It's strange to us, but it wasn't strange to God. Let me tell you why it wasn't strange to God. Because God will never, ever, ever break his own word. He's not a man that he should lie. And when it was his plan to give us dominion in Genesis 1.26, Genesis 1.26, I've already quoted, but I'm going to put it up on the screen. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, them, somebody say them. Now I want you to watch this. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let them have authority. In other words, God gave kingdom authority on earth to man. He has all authority. How many knows God is all powerful? But when he declares something, he will always honor his word. He's not a man that he should lie. This meant that anything from that point, from Genesis 1.26, anything, you got to get this, from that point that God ever wanted to carry out on earth, He had to do it through the flesh 
of human beings. Come on, are you with me? He had to do it through the flesh of human beings. I need to change mics. What's going on? I just lost some volume. Spirit beings do not have authority on earth. Spirit beings do not have authority on earth. I'm going to blow your mind. This is going to be one of the deepest Christmas messages you ever heard. Because some of y'all are going to think I'm a heretic by what I'm about to say. How many of God has all authority? It's not a trick question, y'all. How many of Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now? But how do we feel his presence? How do we experience his anointing? His spirit, the breath of God, the, the pneuma, the Holy Spirit of God is here within us and on us and in this room. He's omnipresent. I'm going to blow your mind by this statement. But even the Holy Spirit is limited on earth to only be able to carry out the desires of God through the flesh of humanity. That is why he told Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again. In in other words, because he was trying to figure out how to get in the kingdom. He says, in this kingdom that I bring from my world to this world, my kingdom, part of my kingdom is way back then I established the kingdom of this earth is that flesh has dominion. So the way the Holy Spirit carries out a born again, a spirit filled, an anointed life in a human being is they must be born again so that their spirit man can invite the Holy Spirit. Because watch this. How many knows it's God's will that all are saved and none perish? But yet he doesn't force anyone to get saved, does he? If you're born again in the house, say amen. amen. How many knows that the fact that you know you're born again is because you know that you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And when you did that, you invited him through your authority and your dominion that he gave you. You invited him. We even say something like this. Lord, I invite you to come into my heart and save me. What is your heart? Your heart is your spirit, man. It's a sinner. Let's get to the heart of the matter is what people say. I mean, let's get to the, let's get to the sinner. That's who you are. That's the real you. And you invite the Holy Spirit in your life. Demons, some of them might be able to knock something off a bookshelf, try to scare you. But the way demons murder people is through people murdering people. The way the thief comes but to what? Steal, to kill, and to destroy. Well, who steals from you? People. Who, who kills you? People. Who destroys things that are valuable to you? People. Are you hearing me, church? So you've got to understand that the, the, there's only one legal way to have authority on this earth. And I'm not, going to get, I'm not going to break it down, but let's be real. It is through the womb of a woman. Because that is how flesh is born. And in John 10, the famous chapter that he talks about shepherds and that he is the shepherd, his sheep knows his voice and that he will not listen to another. And he talks about, he talks about a thief and a robber and all this kind of thing. One of the things that we jump over there in John 10 is he talks about a door. I know he says, I am the door, but he's saying there is another door. There is, a, there is almost implied. I know that you got it. You know, it's, Jesus is the door, but here's the reality. If you don't come through the door, Jesus said, you are a thief and a robber. You have illegal, you are an illegal here. You do not have rights here. It's going to mess you up. But you got to listen to this. Jesus Christ, the birth of Jesus, is one of the most powerful, deep revelation of authority. It's not just a revelation of the authority of God. It is a revelation of the authority that God has given us. See, we will brush it off and say, but yeah, but that's Jesus. Of course, you will never be Jesus. There's two sure things in life. One, there is a God. And two, you're not him. 
You're not going to evolve into God. You're not a little G that's going to be a big G one day out in space. Don't you remember the Bible says that when God formed man for the dust of the earth, didn't he? But listen to what the next part says. But man was not alive. He was a shell. Until the Bible says God breathed into man and man became a living soul. Now we understand that he breathed a part of himself into man and gave him a spirit man. But you have to understand something else that's in play here. Only one reference. There's multiple references to it, but I like to quote part of this verse from Leviticus 17, 11. It says this, for the life of the flesh is in the what? Blood. Is in the blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. How many of those, we, we pump all our blood out, guess what happens to us? We die. Heart that's pumping us stops pumping the blood. What happens? We die. We cut ourselves. What comes out of us? Blood. If we don't take care of that wound, what happens to us? We die. Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. So we have a form of humanity called Adam and Eve. And, but they were not alive. Their bodies were not moving until God breathed into them. What did God breathe into them? He had to have not just breathed into them the spirit. He had to have breathed into them blood. Because how many knows, if we believe the Bible, we are all descendants of those two. And what do we have flowing through our vein? Blood. That means... That we come forth from Adam and Eve that had what flowing through their veins? Blood. Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. So where in the world did this blood of Adam come from? I'm going to say it very bluntly and then I'm going to break it down for you. The blood of Adam was the blood of Jesus. Of that baby, Jesus. The same blood that flowed through the baby, Jesus, flowed through Adam. Dun, dun, dun. Before you get up and walk out, at least wait to the end of the message. And then we, you can call me whatever you want to call me. See, if you're created in the image of God, in his likeness, covered in his glory and he breathes life into you see we say things like this ain't nobody ever been perfect but jesus that's not biblically accurate there's no one but jesus that's ever lived a perfect life but adam and eve were created perfect are you hearing me oh this is deep this is christmas sermon y'all you'll be like man i thought we was just he's gonna say something about Santa, I know him. I know him being funny or something. Now I'm getting deep with y'all on Christmas Eve Eve. Somebody say amen. amen. He's created the image of God in the likeness of God. He looked like God. He talked like God. He was covered with the same glory that God walked in. We know that because God's not going to walk in the cool in the garden with someone who's not covered in his glory because sin and flesh cannot stand in the glory unless it's been glorified. He stopped walking with them in the cool of the day the moment they knew they were naked. Why did they know they were naked? Because the glory was removed from them. But before that moment, their blood was untainted and perfect. Now, where did, they get, where did this blood come from? Did God just create blood and just put it into the, speak it into the body of Adam and Eve? Watch this. In order sometimes to understand the beginning, you've got to go to the end. And sometimes to understand the end, you've got to go from the beginning. The Bible says he determines the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. 
I've said it many times before. If you want to know how this thing is going to wind up, you need to really learn how it started. Because that's the perfect will of God. And God's will will be done. Go read the last couple of chapters of Revelation and read about the millennial reign. And it sounds awfully familiar to the Garden of Eden. In fact, if you study out the Garden of Eden dimensions that is mentioned in the book of Genesis and you, you go with the rivers and all the things that, are, that, that, that gives you the dimensions of where it would be, it is estimated that the Garden of Eden was 1,500 square miles. Do you know how big the, the New Jerusalem is? 1,500 square miles and 1,500 miles high. That's the New Jerusalem. So the same foundation size of the New Jerusalem, is the fa- it was the size of the Garden of Eden. So sometimes you've got to go to Revelation to understand Genesis. Because God's going to have his, his will. It will be done. Watch this. With or without you. See, if his word says it's going to happen, there ain't nothing you can say. There ain't even nothing you can pray to stop. If God said this is going to happen, some of y'all pray, I don't want the Antichrist to come. No, you just need to pray that you go out on the first load. He's coming. He's coming. You can't stop him from coming. You just need to get out of here with with the rest of us and you ain't got to worry about it. If the word of God, is this good preaching? How many knows if the word of God says it, you can't say anything different and it happens. Look at Revelation 13, 8. We'll put it up on the screen. Revelation 13, 8, just a portion of it says this. Declares him, watch this. Uh, let us read it all. And who dwell the earth would worship him, will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, the book of life of the Lamb. Notice this capital letters. Slain, what? From, what? The foundation of the world. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It actually implies in the original language, just before. Some translations indicate just before or at the precise time. In other words, you go back to Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. Are y'all hearing me? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Lord said, let there be light, and there was light. You ever heard that? That's the foundation of the world. But Revelation tells us the book of life is named after the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. In other words, before the words were uttered, let there be light, the word had already said to the Godhead within the Godhead, I will die for them. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. I will go at the appointed time and I will die for them. Because there's no way, we all know, there's no way. We got record up here in heaven. We created Lucifer and gave him access like nobody else. And look what he did. We understand, even though we create something, they'll never be us. Even though they're creating our image. But whatever they do before we ever say, let there be light. I'm prepared to die for the sins of all of them. Before let there be light. And when the earth was without form and darkness was on the face of the deep, Jesus had already been in the works. The birth of Christ. Go read the book of Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews because the book of Hebrews starts off. I always say this to people. If you don't believe in the Trinity, if you have somebody that don't believe in the Trinity, that we believe in one God that exists in Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, go read Hebrews chapter 1. Because Hebrews chapter 1 details a conversation between the Father and the Son. And in Hebrews chapter 1, the, it says, of the Father says unto the Son, you are my God. And then the Son says to the Father, you are my God. In other words, we are equal. Remember what Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Am I preaching good this morning? 
But the book of Hebrew was, was obviously written to the Hebrew people to show them all the symbolism and all the types and shadows of all the things they had been taught in the Old Testament. How they all point to one man, Jesus. The entire Old Testament is pointing to what God is going to do through one man in the New Testament named Jesus. He's the bridge. He's the only Old and New Testament prophet in the earth to ever exist. He prophesied in the Old Testament when he died. He prophesied in the New Testament. Are y'all hearing me? He bridged the gap. That's why when the Bible describes heaven, he's sitting on a throne. And on one side is 12 thrones. And on the other side is another 12 thrones. On one side is the 12 tribes of Israel, Old Testament. On the other side are the 12 apostles. And the bridge in between the two testaments is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 is one of my favorite chapters of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 says this. Sacrifice and offerings... You did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. When you read it in context, I don't have time to break it down. Go read it to yourself. You know that this is speaking about Jesus. So in other words, it is a record of a declaration of Jesus saying, there has been a body prepared for me in glory. See, everything that's ever happened here on this earth is a replica or a scaled down replica of what is in heaven. There is a temple in heaven. There is an ark of the covenant in heaven. There is a tree of life in heaven. There are rivers in heaven. There are, there are come on, y'all hear me. All the things that we see described in the book of Genesis are also described in heaven. You have prepared me a body. Are y'all with me? So, the life of the flesh is in the? So, in other words, what he was saying in Hebrews chapter 10 is what feeds and nurtures that baby. So, that baby can grow and and develop within the womb of their mother is fed through the blood. So, there was not a body laying in heaven. That Jesus was looking at and saying, one, time, one day I'm coming in you. No, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when God created the world, he was the lamb slain. Why is he calling the lamb slain? Not to symbolize so much so that he's the lamb in, in a, in a uh, humbleness and in, in a, in a sweetness of a lamb. But the reason he's called the lamb is because it was the lamb who had to shed his blood. So we, we focus, listen, we, not, we don't need to take away from the word lamb. I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, heretical here by just saying, you know, we don't need to focus and teach on the lamb. But what we need to, don't need to miss is the powerful part of that is not the lamb, it's the slain part. It's the blood part. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Are y'all hearing me? So, now I'm going to take my jacket off. It's 1124 if you're taking medicine. If y'all need to take a pill to get you through the rest of this message, go ahead and pop that pill. Y'all still with me? So the, when he says you have prepared me a body, I believe, gospel according to Larry, that he is declaring... You have prepared the life of the flesh that you will use this powerful thing called the blood that you created to overshadow the virgin and place it within her womb. And from that blood, the baby Jesus, as we talked about last night, which blows my mind, I still can't comprehend it. Jesus, who made everything, started out dividing into two cells we have no record of him the word coming from the angel and in a week later he's born meaning mary probably carried jesus to nine months meaning she had a first trimester second trimester and third trimester while the king of kings and the lord of lords is being developed within the womb of a teenage girl 
Is that just amazing? See, the blood is so powerful, and I don't mean to be critical here. If you were raised Catholic, and if you're watching online and you're Catholic, I'm not against. I got Catholic friends. One of my best friends is a Catholic priest. Actually, he's one of the endorsers of my book. I'm going to actually have him speak at our church. I love him. Father Mitch Pacwa from EWTN. So I'm not, uh, here's what I tell everybody. As long as you hadn't asked Mary to forgive you of your sins, you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Guess what? That's what the Bible says is how we get to heaven. So I've asked him, I've asked others, who did you go through to get to heaven? They say, well, of course I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me my sins. And I said, well, you know what? All the other stuff, we'll just agree to disagree on that. But we cannot agree to disagree on how to get to heaven. But one of the things that I do disagree with is the, what they call the Immaculate Conception. And the Immaculate Conception, I'm not an expert on it. You may have been raised in Catholicism and you can school me on this big time. But the one part that, I, that I've heard time and time again is, and it, 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 I think this doctrine was created because the blood is so precious. That therefore it is implied that Mary's, Mary's blood was perfect. Mary's blood was made perfect by God, untainted by the sin of Adam and Eve. Therefore, because of how a baby is conceived and by the umbilical cord, her blood had to feed Jesus. Therefore, it's tainted by sin. And the Bible said Jesus lived a sinless life, right? He, was not, he had not sin going through. His blood would not be sufficient for all of our sins if it was tainted by sin. So therefore, they had to try to figure out a way to make Mary perfect. Because when Mary is perfect and her blood somehow was not tainted by the sin of Adam and Eve, then it could feed Jesus, and Jesus would have untainted blood. Well, it's interesting to me that not only did Mary follow Jesus throughout his entire ministry, as we told you last week, she was also in the upper room. She is named. This is not somebody's opinion. She is named in your Bible to be one of the 120 that was in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, seeking the promise of the Father. If you're holy and perfect, you don't need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But she was one of the ones speaking in tongues. She was one of the ones praising God because she received something at that point that she had not had before. So, I don't believe it's that hard to understand how, if you believe in the virgin birth, I mean, this takes big faith, I know that. But here's how. The blood of Mary did not have to go into the body of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, the angel says to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, what does that mean? That means that there was a seed planted. Now, I don't want to get all weird on you, and I don't want you to twist my words and make it sound like weird. The Bible tells us that God uses natural things to teach us spiritual principles. We talk a lot about, about the seed. You plant a seed in the ground, you have to nurture and you have to wait, and then the seed begins to grow. But the life begins in a hidden form, under the dirt. Right? When someone is conceived in their mother, a seed has to be planted. And an egg has to be fertilized. Are you hearing me? So one time Jesus was preaching and he was saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man, listen to this, that went forth to sow seed. In other words, it says, if you want to understand the kingdom, really, it's good for you to study in depth and understand it on the big picture. But if all you did was understand the principle of the farmer, then you can understand how the kingdom works. The kingdom works on seed, time, and harvest. Didn't he say that in the Garden of Eden? At the very end, he said, as long as the earth remains, seasons will change, come and go. But one thing will remain, seed, time, and harvest. Why will it always remain? Because it's a kingdom principle. It was actually instituted in the Garden of Eden as a kingdom principle when the Bible says that the Lord himself planted a garden. Eastward, he spoke everything into existence, but when it came time for the Garden of Eden, the Bible said he planted that garden. You hear me, church? 
So the, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is a man that went forth to sow seed. Some fell on good ground. You know that story, right? Some fell on stony ground. And he begins to explain it as a parable. And of course we understand the application of, of making sure you sow your seeds in good ground. And making sure that you nurture and take care of the seeds. But watch what Jesus says. And I love how Jesus did this. He would, he would teach in parables to the masses. And then he would come sit around the campfire with his 12, eating some fish and hanging out. And then his disciples would say, hey, man, when you preach that today, that was great. But I'll be honest with you right now, we didn't really get it. And Jesus knew, hey, I need them to get it. Because in three and a half years, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of the Father. I need them to get it because they're the ones that's going to carry it on. And then he would break it down to them. And then that parable, when he's talking about the seed, is like a kingdom, the kingdom of God is like a man went forth to sow seed. He sits down with his disciples, and the first words after they ask him what it meant, he comes out and he says this, the seed is the word of God. Did y'all hear me? The very first thing he says is, the seed is the word of God. And then he goes in to talk about how when you, when you speak the word and make sure you speak it not in stony ground, all, all this kind of, but the thing you've got to get today is the seed is the word of God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh. How did it become flesh? The seed is the word. So when the Holy Spirit overshadowed a virgin. This, this is, i got to say this the right way. There was no sexual intercourse that happened. There's nothing weird about the father, some kind of spirit kind of thing happening with Mary. That didn't happen. Don't try to twist it that that's what the Bible is saying. The, but the Bible is saying that she was overshadowed by the father through his spirit. Who had with him a seed. And he placed that seed. Get the deepness of this. Within an egg that had dropped down from within that girl. Went into the body and placed a seed into that egg. Scientists say some of them have actually viewed just recently and i saw a video of it the moment of conception and you know what they they, they viewed you know you've seen for years the little sperm cells and all they're trying to get to the egg but they've never really filmed it in this way i saw a video of it from a doctor recently and when the one finally gets in there is a brief i mean it's like a hundredth of a millisecond they've called it it's a brief brief light light hits Something, something explodes within that, within that, that egg. It was never measured before until recently. Light. I am the light of the world. How many knows? Even every child that is born, regardless of the circumstances, if God allows them to be born, he's got a purpose for them. Come on, are you hearing me? Boom. That light can only come from God. It was not something that evolved in us. It's just good preaching. We don't do this on our own. We can't make life without God. Can you imagine what that fertilization looked like? When the seed, get this deepness, the seed of eternity, the seed of heaven impregnated the egg of earthly humans come on so if that's the case then with the seed came the blood now can i prove this i can't prove this because y'all 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 may know a scripture that i don't know of, and if you do let me know but but i don't remember in the story them saying anything about cutting an umbilical cord here's why it is my opinion that there was no umbilical cord. That Mary did not feed Jesus. Y'all ready? 
Is this a good Christmas sermon? First Corinthians chapter 15. I'm coming to a close. Watch this. First Corinthians chapter 15. And so it is written. Listen to this. The first man, Adam, became a living being. He just became a living being. The only Adam and Eve were the only ones that were not born of a mother. They became living beings. Are you hearing me? The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Mm. However, the spiritual is not the first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man, Adam, was of the earth, made of dust. The second man, notice it's capitalized, is the Lord from heaven. Is this powerful? As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Oh, come on, somebody. That's why every man, stay with me for a minute, has to be born of the flesh, of the dust. But we must be born again. He told Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is, but that which is born of the spirit is, spirit. The Bible calls him, not to belittle him, but to understand the magnitude of what he was trying to accomplish. The second Adam, some translations call him the final Adam. So here's one thing that the first Adam and the second Adam, first Adam, little M, second Adam, capital M, had in common. Neither one of them had an umbilical, umbilical cord. Because the life of Adam was breathed into Adam from God. So the life of Jesus was breathed into Jesus from his father. And through his own spirit. And the blood that was put in Adam. That became the life of the flesh. Came from the blood of the body. Or the blood source of the body that was already prepared in heaven. And in heaven there is no sin. So it doesn't decay. It's as fresh as it was the day it was created. Are y'all hearing me? So the blood he put in Adam. With no umbilical cord. Straight from himself. Was the blood that he put in his son that became flesh and dwelt among us. So the blood that flowed through Jesus all through birth, all through his childhood, all through his teenage years, all through his adult life. When he walked up at age 30 and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to preach the gospel. The same blood that shed and fell from his head from a crown of thorns when nails was driven in his hands. There was no blood of Adam. There was no blood of Mary. There was no blood of sin. It was the untainted blood of Jesus that has always existed in the history of this world waiting for that moment. Perfect blood. Sit down for just a second. The birth of Jesus Christ was more than just the birth of Jesus Christ. It was the culmination. The beginning of the culmination of the plan of God from the very beginning. Thousands of years since the garden. But even before the garden, we don't know the time. 
that God declared this, the Godhead declared this from within themselves. Micah 5, 2, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old and from everlasting. In other words, this baby that will become a ruler over Israel has been planned far beyond you Mary far before you Joseph this is a plan of old Isaiah 9 6 says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and the government will be upon his shoulder And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What a strange way to save the world. If Jesus would have sinned one time, if he would have gave in to the earthly temptation one time, his blood would have not been sufficient. Because if his blood would have still been sufficient, the blood of Elijah would have been sufficient. The blood of John the Baptist would have been sufficient. The only blood of the Lamb that could be sufficient is the spotless, sinless, untainted blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus is not just a physical thing. Understand this. The life of the flesh is in the blood. But understand this. The blood of Jesus goes beyond just giving this life. That's why we plead the blood of Jesus. People that might be new to church are like, what in the world are you talking about? I don't want to freak you out if you hear somebody say, we cover our kids in the blood of Jesus. We ain't, we ain't killing some chicken and rubbing blood all over them, nothing. Ain't nothing like that. We ain't some kind of cult here. We're not putting blood. What we're doing is we're saying, we are speaking over our children. And declaring over our children that what the blood of Jesus accomplished for humanity covers our children. Covers our families. Covers our marriages. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus.